Deion Sanders' mantra for the last few weeks has been, I'm coming. We coming. And, uh, well, here he is, along with the Pac-12 schedule. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm starting and will end this show, as you can see on YouTube, in a button down shirt and tie because I just got done doing a play by play broadcast. And sometimes I like to just hop right on, say, you know what? Don't need to change the shirt. Let's just roll. Let's keep the vibes alive. And goodness gracious, Deion Sanders flips Cormani McLean from Miami to Colorado, the number one cornerback, five-star recruit in the class of 2023. And now the Buffs' starting corners going into this season appear to be Travis Hunter and Cormani McLean. Now, many moons ago on this particular show, on National Signing Day, or the show that aired after the early National Signing Day, I came on here and said, eh, Pac-12 had kind of a quiet day outside of outside of Oregon, really. I mean, a couple other teams had some nice pickups. Sure, UCLA made a big splash a couple days prior, but it was kind of quiet, and Colorado was kind of quiet, and I got a lot of pushback. I got a lot of pushback from people. You're just hating on Coach Prime. What are you talking about? What about this guy? What about that guy? Those guys had already been committed. I said on that day, yeah, they didn't make a bunch of noise. They weren't really in the headlines. But I then theorized that going forward, going into February's National Signing Day, either on that day, which is still to come, or leading up to it, I expected Deion Sanders to make another splash on the recruiting trail. Well, what do you know? Here we are. Point for Spencer. Cormani McLean is the sort of recruit that sends a very clear statement to the rest of the Pac-12. Deion Sanders is going to be able to recruit just about any player he feels like, at least in the defensive backfield. We know that that's true. Travis Hunter could have opted to go anywhere else he wanted to play for Coach Prime. Cormani McLean was committed to Miami, which has a top five recruiting class in the country right now. Their head coach is Mario Cristobal, who Pac-12 fans know well, is an elite recruiter. Elite. And Coach Prime, who's been on the job for, what, a month and a half, just walked in and said, hey, you should come play for me at Colorado. And he is going to play for the Colorado Buffaloes. That is a statement more so than Travis Hunter. The Buffs portal class right now is pretty impressive. But the guys who are headlining that class, talked about with John Garcia a while ago on the show. You can go back and watch or listen to it, however you're consuming the show right now if you missed it. 
The top guys in the class are Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. But they came with him from Jackson State. Those weren't surprises. This is the most impactful recruiting victory for Deion Sanders to date because of who he went up against. If you can go up against Mario Cristobal at Miami, who won the Pac-12 recruiting battle several years in a row with Oregon, if you can get that caliber of player this late in the cycle from that sort of school with that sort of head coach, you can go as high as you want. You can go just about as high as you want. Can you get a dozen of them? Can you get a dozen blue chippers in a class? We'll see. We, we will see once they're able to put together a full recruiting cycle for, for 2024. Time will tell. But that is the most significant acquisition because it's the biggest surprise. The rumors had been flying around. Speculation had been there for a couple weeks' time. But once it's actually happened now, that sends a very clear message to all the programs in this conference that are going after high-level players from Florida, from Texas, from California. You, you cannot overlook Coach Prime. You just simply can't. That is big, big-time news. I mean, he... <laughs> Now, Miami is coming off a 5-7 and seven season, sure. Colorado is coming off a 1-11. and 11. That, I mean, that, that's just straight Dion. And in the immediate future, right, you also have to remember, I believe Travis Hunter has two years of eligibility left before he could declare for the NFL draft, and Cormani is going to have three, and they're going to be coached by the best defensive back in the history of football. You got to start somewhere on that defense because a lot of changes need to be made, as we all know. And I think right now the biggest weaknesses for the Buffs are still on the offensive and defensive lines. But they have made some upgrades in that department. But it doesn't compare to what they've done at the skill positions. Getting a guy like Dylan Edwards at running back. Shador Sanders, probably going to be solid. We'll, we'll see what he's able to do at the Power 5 level compared to his FCS resume, which is pretty darn impressive. But you've got two players starting at cornerback at Colorado this year and next year and maybe both the year after, we'll see how their careers play out, who would start at, I don't know, every other team in the Pac-12. And that's what Colorado is going to start to get used to as long as Coach Prime is their head coach. That they have players that other programs are envious of. Oregon has a lot of questions in the secondary. They would have taken Cormani McLean. USC, back end of their defense, you don't think they would have taken Cormani McLean? Washington to try to get back to having those elite DBs again. You don't think they would have taken? Of course they would have. Of course they would have. But he wants to go play for Coach Prime. Big, big get for the Buffs. On the recruiting front, by the way, I touched on this a little bit in the third segment of, I think it was yesterday's show. I don't know. They all blur together at this point, honestly. Jaden Rashada is out there. He was also going to go to Miami. He's not. He was then going to Florida. He's not going to do that either. He signed his NLI, National Letter of Intent, but requested a release from it. That appears to have been granted. I tell you, we are seeing this is the player empowerment age of college football with NIL and the transfer portal. These recruiting battles are wild. Like, look at what happened with Peyton Bowen at Oregon. He flips on the early national signing day to Oregon, and then... 
what, 16 hours later, he's he's signing with Oklahoma? Notre Dame, Oregon, Oklahoma. He had made a commitment in some form or another to three schools in a 24-hour window. I mean, this stuff is just crazy now. But Jaden Rashada is a name that the Pac-12 as a whole should be following. He's a California native. He's a high four, five-star recruit, depending on where you look at the quarterback position. You know who I'm watching for in this race? The Washington Huskies. Because Rashada was going to Miami and Florida. Those were the places that he was looking at. He's a California native, but now he is the most highly coveted quarterback prospect in the class of 2023. That could be a perfect fit for Washington in more ways than one. I'll tell you why after I tell you about my friends at Bet Online. Your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can't bet the sort of stuff like, where's Jaden Rashada going to end up? But you can find just about everything else. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup, we've got it all at betonline.net. They've had it all. They'll continue to have it all. They've got everything you need. NBA playoffs a couple months away. March Madness. NFL playoffs. They've got all that. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Before I dive into the schedule release of the Pac-12 and the biggest takeaways there, just this quick thought on Jaden Rashada. Cal will be in the mix. He was in his final five, actually, surprisingly, and that would be a fit. That would 100% be a fit. Cal needs quarterback help. He'd have a chance to start as a true freshman, even with Sam Jackson, the TCU transfer going there. But here's the thing with Washington. Of the programs who need a quarterback the most and who fit the caliber of program and trajectory that he showed to have in his desires by going back and forth between Miami and Florida, Washington fits the bill. And Washington had their quarterback commit in 2023. Lincoln Keenholz flipped to Ohio State. They went after Sam Levitt. He flipped from Washington State to Michigan State. So Washington has made it clear they want a quarterback commit from the high school ranks in 2023. And and I don't know all the details of what Rashada is looking for here. Washington could be an excellent fit. You go sit behind Michael Penix for a year, you're in a quarterback-friendly system that Kalen DeBoer runs. I mean, his offense, and he's said this, I think he said it at Pac-12 Media Days, runs through the quarterback. That's clearly what Rashada wants to have. The opportunity to play for a big school, Washington is, and have the opportunity to showcase his talents. Washington can give him that after a year of growth. I think there's... A lot of fit there. A lot of fit. And the expectation is he'll be coming to the Pac-12 right now. That's everything I've heard. Seems like he's going to be coming to the Pac-12. Don't know who. Here's another team that I'm going to throw out there. Are you ready? Boom. It's Colorado. Because as we just learned with Cormani McLean, Colorado can get a lot of good players. And Coach Prime is a recruiting magnet, all on his own. I will never count Colorado out of an elite player sweepstakes. 
That that's that's how this shift in my mind has kind of gone. I knew in theory they could get these sorts of players, but it's different once it's actually been realized when they actually are able to flip a guy like Cormani McLean. <sighs> okay. It is time to go into the biggest takeaways from the Pac-12 2023 football schedule release. I have been anxiously awaiting this for quite some time. And this is not the only time I'll be talking about it here on the show. And on that note, if you have a question, if you have a thought, anything you want to share on it, shoot me a message. YouTube comments, Twitter, at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. Shoot me a note, shoot me a question, ask me to break something down, explain something, whatever, with the schedule, whatever team you root for, by all means. Let's dive into this thing. Biggest takeaways here. The Pac-12 has done an exceptional job of making sure that the first full slate of conference games has some big-time matchups. You can't put them all there, but they put a, they put a number of them there. And that's what you want to have because you want to start from a television product perspective. You'll want to start with a bang. And in week four, the biggest game is a huge game. Huge. Conference championship ramifications in week four, which sounds like an oxymoron. But when you consider that it's between two teams that are capable of getting there or have shown the propensity to get to the conference title game, you realize that a week four game between UCLA and Utah, wow, with Utah's non-conference and UCLA's at least being more respectable than last year, what if they're both there at 3-0? and Hmm, that could be a college game day site, 100%. It was a great game last year. It'll be in Salt Lake City this year, which is a fantastic environment. Utah's the two-time defending conference champs. Chip Kelly and UCLA, I think they'll be a little bit of a pullback team in 2023, but I still expect them to be solid. They could still compete depending on what they can get from the quarterback position. But this is a really nice move by the Pac-12 to have that game in week four. And there are a couple other good ones too. Oregon State at Washington State for their first conference game, tone-setting game for both of those programs that have shown glimpses of getting into the upper echelon of Pac-12 programs, but are still trying to make that jump, tone-setting conference game to start the season. That game being played in Pullman, which has been a tough place to play for basically everybody. Oregon State, certainly no exception to that. Here's the other game in week four. The first Pac-12 game for Deion Sanders. And again, this is just solid, smart scheduling from the Pac-12. The first Pac-12 opportunity that Deion Sanders is going to have is at Oregon. Most watched team in the conference over the last several years. That according to Sports Media Watch. It's Oregon, then it's USC. I think Washington or Stanford is next, then Washington. Like those teams are up there. But at Autzen Stadium, Colorado, again, depending on what Colorado does in their non-conference slate, who knows? Who, who knows at this point in time? Colorado is Schrodinger's cat. You don't know what's in there till you open the box. You can theorize. You can make reasonable speculation and have an idea. But until the product takes the field, you just don't know. TCU was a 5-7 and seven football team last year. 
People thought they'd be improved this year. Who had them going 13-1? and one? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Okay, that's about what I thought. You just don't know. Uh, speaking of Utah, by the way, their first five games, Utah's schedule is... It, it, it's so tough. I mean, it's just brutal. It is brutal. Here are their first five games. They host Florida, who they lost to a year ago. They're a better team than Florida, though. I think they'll be able to win that one at home. Then they go at Baylor. Then they play Weber State. Weber State, who last year housed a Utah State team out of the Mountain West that was just okay, finished the year 6-6. Six and six. But as FCS opponents go, uh, Weber State, not a cupcake. One of the best teams at the FCS level this side of the Mississippi for quite some time. And then, oh, then. That's their first three weeks. Those are their games. Then they play UCLA, which is at home. And then they play at Oregon State. You could have a very real scenario in which the two-time defending conference champions are three and two and still in it to win the league. But that is a gauntlet and a half to go through. Kyle Whittingham's team, not going to have any time to mess around and, you know, wait to play their best ball till later in the year. They got to bring it uh, they they got to bring it there in the early going. I mean, that's just Florida at Baylor. Have to go to Waco, host Weber State, host UCLA, and then go at Oregon State. Four and one there would be exceptional. If they go five and zero oh in those games, that means Utah is probably going to make the playoff next year. I can't see them going five and zero oh in in that stretch. That is just really really tough. Other notable games that. Everyone is going to be watching out for. Week 7, Oregon at Washington. We all remember how incredible of a football game that was this year at Autzen Stadium. Should be a similar sort of game up at Husky Stadium this year. Here's the interesting thing about that game. It's Week 7. Both teams, because they have their buys mixed in there, could be 5-0. and but one or both of them could very easily not be 5-0. and That is 100% possible. The first two conference games for each, based on what we know about the teams right now, hard to see them slipping up. Oregon has Colorado at home, and they go at Stanford, and the Cardinal, I think, are going to have a tough year, and it'll be a slow rebuild under, under Troy Taylor. Washington has got Cal, and Arizona, and they host Cal, they go at Arizona. So on paper, that's a combined 4-0 start in conference play. And again, going back to games that can ultimately decide who plays in the conference championship game, you got to circle that one. You got to circle that one. There are other games to circle in the schedule too. There are a number of other ones. I don't even know that I'll have time to get to all of them. I'm barely going to touch on the non-conference slate in this one, which is great. But we'll get to all that. But we got to get to Built Bars first because they are delicious, they are healthy, and you need to go get yours now. Built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club, all options. 
They're 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. They are chewy. They are delicious. They are filling. I've always got some in my cupboard. I've always got some in my golf bag because I never know when I'm going to need a quick bite. I use them for broadcasting as well. If I don't want to overeat but I need to fill myself up, boom, Built Bar. Easy money. Again, Built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club. Go get your latest order of Built Bars today. So many things to get to here on a Friday. Gosh, the show is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, so other notable games, and these are not all of them, right? I'm not getting to every major game here, just ones that really, really popped. Washington has a really, really difficult stretch. Week seven, they host Oregon. And then they have a couple more winnable games. And then their season, and I talked about them recently, that their expectation should be to get to the Pac-12 championship game. And if they don't, it's a disappointing season. Whether or not they achieve that goal or larger goals, that will be determined in weeks 10 through 12. They go at USC week 10. They host Utah week 11. By the way, game day contender, USC Washington week 10. You get both those teams at like one's eight and one, one's seven and two going into that game. I tell you what, that could be a game day game. Washington goes at USC, Utah week 11, and then they go at Oregon State week 12. The Beavs at Reeser, which will be at full capacity, where they've been un- almost unbeatable the last couple of seasons anyway. That is a brutal, I mean a brutal, brutal stretch. But if they get through it, if you go 3-1 and one in those four games, you're probably going to the Pac-12 championship game if you're Washington. You could do it at 2-2, two and two, but if you go 3-1 and one, or 4-0, and oh, obviously, in those games, you set yourself up really well because that means they're playing at a level where they won't stumble with a Cal or an Arizona who could still be a nice team, gave Washington a solid fight in, in Seattle this year. Arizona's schedule, very, very interesting, by the way. And going forward, I am, at different points in time on the show, going to break down each team's schedule and kind of what they, the, the challenges they present, the opportunities, the good, the bad, everything in between, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, tons, tons to get to. Gosh, football is great. So, uh, another one, USC at Oregon, week 11. Last time the Trojans will uh, visit Eugene as a member of the Pac-12. Yeah, let me assure you that the uh, Duck fan is going to be a little hot and heated in uh, in that one, more more so than, uh, than usual. Week 12, battle for Los Angeles. Those are some of the biggest games that, that are in there. Um, it's certainly not all of them. If you got other ones you want me to talk about, hey, what do you think about this? Again, shoot me a message. Happy to talk about it. Last thing I want to talk about for biggest takeaways on the schedule here, the non-conference schedule for the Pac-12, just like last year, is great. It represents a desire to build a college football playoff caliber resume by a number of programs. And that's what you want to see. I don't want to see them wimping out. I don't want to see them putting together a Michigan non-conference slate where they bail on UCLA and they play Hawaii, UConn, and 
I, I don't know, Middle Tennessee Technical Institute JV team, something like that, right? Like I just, I stuff drives me nuts. Scheduling is the biggest thing in college football that needs to be fixed on a national level. But the Pac-12, those schools, yeah, we're doing it right. We're doing it right. Colorado, oh my gosh, Colorado has two ridiculously compelling non-conference games. And if they win either one, Boulder is going to go into a frenzy, absolute frenzy. Colorado plays TCU on the road in week one. Then they come back home and they play Nebraska, Colorado and Nebraska. Storied programs that were great long ago and have fallen way down, a shell of their former selves, now with head coaches who have the potential to elevate them beyond what they've been able to achieve recently. Winning that game is so big for both of those programs. And remember, Nebraska has got Matt Rule, who's also in year one. A lot of things need to be better at Nebraska. A lot of things need to change. Guess what? Matt Rule is a really good football coach. A really good couple of year one, full rebuild, rebuild slash turnarounds. Oh, what a scene that'll be for the home opener. Nebraska. Gosh, that's fantastic. Oregon plays at Texas Tech, sneaky hard game. Texas Tech, a nice football team. A really, really nice, solid football team. They have to go to Lubbock. That is not a gimme. That is not even close to a gimme. Arizona plays at Mississippi State this year. They hosted them this year. They gave them a good fight. They got through their non-conference play at 2-1. and one. They'll have a chance to do that again. But they will go to Stark Vegas and... And take on the Bulldogs, Mike Leach, RIP, of course. And I tell you what, Arizona played them pretty solidly this year. If they're a better football team and Mike Leach isn't there, that could be, I don't know, a program-altering win for Arizona. Just saying, just throwing it out there. Arizona State, they host Oklahoma State in Week 2. Do not have high hopes there. (laughs) Well, Okay, I'll close with the craziest one. I'll close with the just like most random non-conference game the Pac-12 has seen in a long, long time. Uh, Another conference note, I do expect UCLA to take a step back as a team this year. However, we talk about schedules a lot because they matter so much. UCLA, you know, the, the pod scheduling system for the North and South teams still exists. UCLA misses Oregon and Washington this year. That's noteworthy. Um, makes it a lot easier to go 7-2, and two, get to the conference title game, just in, in league play, that is, I'm just saying. Uh, the two games with Notre Dame are there for Stanford and USC, who will meet in week two as usual. Washington State hosting Wisconsin. Holy smokes. I just, good for the Cougs, man. Good, a program that struggles to get onto the national stage, struggles to find relevance, struggles to get on teams' radar, they're going to have Wisconsin in Pullman. That's fantastic. And remember, they beat them in Madison last year. And if they beat them in Pullman, I'm telling you, I like Jake Dickert. I, I really, really do. Tough situation having to replace both coordinators, but I tell you what. They could. If they beat Wisconsin, they could start 3-0 again. They could. They could. But just good for the Cougs, being able to get that caliber of game. That's that's great for Pullman, which is a fantastic college town. Uh, Washington 
and the non-conference hosts Boise State to start and then goes at Michigan State after they uh, they, host, they host Tulsa in week two. They go at Michigan State in week three. They house them in Seattle this year. I, Washington will be favored in that game. I'm not questioning that. I just question if Michigan State is going to be as bad as they were in 2022. That that is a question. And for Washington, that is the first game. I mean, you can't overlook Boise State ever. We here in the Pac-12, we don't overlook Boise State. Teams have before. It doesn't usually go well. But I think Washington is much better than Boise State. I don't think the Broncos will be able to stop Washington. But that Michigan State game in East Lansing early in the year, fans will be rocking. Tough place to play. Uh, we'll see how that uh, goes. Okay, the most random non-conference game of all time that I was reminded of when the schedule came out. How about week two? The California Golden Bears hosting Auburn. They've got a home-and-home home with Auburn. Auburn and Cal. Tell me, in your lifetime, as a sports fan in the college arena, have you ever put Auburn and Cal in the same sentence, either out loud or or in your mind, this is probably the first time for you. It's the first time for me as well. What a massive opportunity for Justin Wilcox to buy himself some time. He's got the hottest coaching seat going into 2023. But if he beats Auburn, North Texas, and Idaho and starts 3-0, I tell you, that can buy you a lot of time in Berkeley. So much more to get to with the schedule. Those are just some of the biggest games if I missed one, I apologize. There were a lot of games on there, but we got plenty of time to talk about them, and we will continue to do just that. Keep sending me your expansion team ideas as well. That series also going to continue on the show. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate all of you. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.